Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1. If you know, we started a couple weeks ago in Mark chapter 1. We started with the baptism of Jesus. And then last week, Pastor Paul shared um, on, on Nathaniel, who said, what good could come from, Jerus- uh, from uh, uh, Nazareth? Thank you. Um, I'm a preacher, y'all. And, uh, and, and it was a phenomenal word because it, it, so many of us judge certain things based on the labels, based on where you're from, what you're wearing, what you got. And, uh, and Jesus really, at every turn, tries to mess that up a little bit. And so this week we're talking out of Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. I'm just going to read them uh, to you. I will probably stop a lot. Uh, I found myself just wanting to read a few verses, then stop. And uh, even on the way here, there was almost like God tried to give me uh, an illustration. Because I don't know about you, but my way here, I couldn't see beyond, like, th- just 100 yards in front of me. It was all, I just couldn't see the city until I got right up on the city. I, I couldn't see the normal things around me. And a little bit of what we're talking about today is that kind of deal. I think I know where I'm going, but I'm not sure I can see it yet. And what we're talking about today is when Jesus calls his disciples. Now remember, Mark is only 16 chapters long. It's the shortest and it's the quickest. He's trying to get to all the things and he's trying to do them fast. And so he is efficient. He is productive. He is one of those. He's just trying to get you. And so even in the Gospel of Mark, the story of Jesus according to Mark, you, you, you see this word immediately used 40 different times. In fact, you see it a couple times just in what we read today. And so Mark is like, he's cranking through this, okay? Uh, and his main theme is God, uh, Jesus as servant. Jesus as worker. Jesus is one who would serve people. And so the first story he tells is about Jesus getting baptized. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that story. Maybe you go back a couple weeks and watch that message. But why did Jesus get baptized? Because he definitely wasn't sinning, right? Uh, Jesus got baptized because he wanted to identify with you and identify to you who he was. And so he was not higher than you. In fact, we talked about, if you all you want to know about Jesus, just read that verse where it says, he came from here, got baptized here with this person, and all of those things were things that were disregarded by the culture of the day. Jesus was not here uh, to show up and, and dominate. He was here to serve and love, all right? So we should probably take some notes from that, amen? All right, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Uh, I'm going to read this out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Um, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. God's already working over there. All right, here we go. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the good news of God. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, I want, I want to stop there. I told you I was going to do this. I'm going to try to do this uh, at a decent time. Uh, but T said we had three hours, so uh, I'm pretty good with that. Because um, God knows I can talk for three hours. Um, don't amen that. <laughs> I think Tweesha did more than amen that. She's disgusted in her voice. Um, after John gets arrested, Jesus starts. It's a really humble thing for Jesus to wait until John's ministry had concluded for him to start his. Um, Jesus, when he hears that John has been arrested, uh, who's eventually going to be killed, executed, uh, Jesus says, okay, this is the moment. This is the time. Now, what's interesting is, is in Mark, you don't get the whole story of Jesus in the desert. You simply get that he went into the desert, led by the Holy Spirit for 40 days, is tempted there. But we don't get all the temptations. We don't get all the story. 
many theologians, because of the book of John, we find out that Jesus probably had started some of his ministry. That he had probably been doing some things. But it wasn't until John gets arrested that he really begins to take steps towards the people he's trying to reach. So Jesus is, is getting into this place. Now, we, we hear this good news thing, and we're like, yes, because Jesus loves us, died for us, and rose again. I want you to understand, the good news, the gospel, is not a word that was simply like we're telling you something nice about a person. The gospel, the good news, the way it would have been understood by the Greeks and the way it would have been understood by the Jews is, I'm announcing a new king. So this was not just some uh, simple statement. It was actually a bit of a uh, revolutionary statement. It was, a, uh, it was a bit of, depending on who you talk to, a treasonous statement for Jesus to show up and begin to say, I've got the good news. Uh, N.T. Wright talks a little bit about this, and he says, how would pagans, Romans, Gentiles understand the word gospel? MacArthur reads an inscription from uh, 9 B.C. before Christ, extolling the Roman emperor. Now, of course, this is a little bit different language in terms of how it's laid out. Uh, Augustus, which says, the providence, the providence which has ordered the whole of our lives, showing concern and zeal, has ordained the most perfect consummation for, uh, for a human life by giving it to Augustus. He's saying Augustus is the most perfect consummation of what life could look like. It's in Augustus. By, by filling him with virtue for doing the work of a benefactor among men and by sending in him, as it were, listen to the language, a savior for us and those who come after us to make war to cease, to create order everywhere. The birthday of the God Augustus is the beginning for the world of the eulogen that has come to men through him. Eulogen is, an, again, another word that speaks to gospel. Has come to men through him. Isn't it interesting, a statement that, that you and I could easily go back to Isaiah and go, well, that kind of sounds like Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. It's a bit of a, uh, in a way, like an antichrist type statement. Hey, Augustus is the perfect person. And he's going to bring order and the end of all war. You might have heard that, like, say, I don't know, October, September of last year, right? All order is going to come if you would just elect this person or just elect this person. I said this last week. We kind of live in a world that if we just got rid of the other side, everything would be good. And it's those people who didn't watch the primaries. Because even the people who were on the same side don't like each other. The reality is that we try to elect kings... In the place of the king. It is one of the greatest, hey, all right. It is one of the greatest missteps of the Israelite people is when they saw all the other nations and went to God and said, please give us a king. Because the following of Jesus, the following of Jesus is often like stepping into a mist, a fog. Not exactly sure where it's going, but clear about who's taking us there. And it's never really meant to leave that place. See, the, the sense of adventure and risk that has left the church and really left much of the modern world, where comfort is what we fight for, where certainty is the thing we hold tightly to. We have lost out on some of the greatest things God will do in our lives because the fog is just, I'm not sure what's back there. I'm not really sure where this goes. And the certainty is not something Jesus promised outside of who he was. 
Hey, the kingdom's here. It's near. It's right now. The, the kingdom is near. The, and even the statement, the time has come, is, is, the time is fulfilled, is really a statement of like, it is as close as your hand. And what is Jesus saying? Well, the gospel is, is about a king and a kingdom. That's why when Jesus preaches the gospel, it's always in reference to a kingdom. It's not always reference to salvation. It's not always in reference to uh, make this confession. It is in a reference to a kingdom. So when, when he talks about make a confession with your mouth and, and, and a belief in your heart, you are confessing and believing in a king that brings a kingdom that makes heaven more present on earth. So the goal is not that we would be as Christians people who hear a good news and go, I love Jesus and forget the earth. No, I, I, I love Jesus I serve Jesus, I honor Jesus, and in so doing, I bring kingdom to earth. That's the goal. Why do we want to see Jesus on every street and every heart? Because you've got something to offer every street and every heart. The more you look on Jesus, the more you look like him. One of my favorite books recently, one of my recent favorite books, because I just like them, so I always say favorite, uh, said that we are living reminders of Jesus. You and I are living reminders of of Jesus. Okay, we're two verses in. We got like more. Okay. Verse 16. As he was passing along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Verse 12. Follow me, Jesus. Sorry, verse 17. My bad. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, there it is, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in their boat, mending their nets. Immediately, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat. That's a bit messed up. With the hired men and followed him. A couple things I just want to draw your attention to. They were casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. This is what they did because this is who they were. And what Jesus comes into our life to do. Remember, all of this is meant to point to Jesus, old and new. I'm reading a book right now that doesn't like the old and new uh, um, dichotomy. It's actually, it's actually first and second. They're both first and second testaments to who Jesus was. That's why Jesus and, and uh, the Gospels and Paul all bring out the Old Testament into the New Testament. And not just to prove that, no, this really is Jesus, the prophecies told you. No, but to remind you that the Old Testament, the First Testament, speaks to who Jesus is as well. All of this is pointing to Jesus. We read Scripture through Jesus. And so here's this, here's this moment where Jesus comes along these two men. Now remember, these guys had probably seen Jesus before. Okay, these guys had probably seen him doing ministry before. It, it, because I've, I don't know if you've ever read this verse and been like, oh, wait, they legit just like, they never met this guy before. Jesus shows up and says, follow me. And they said, yeah, no, for sure. Let's just do that. Let's just leave everything we know, everything that we are, everything that identifies us, everything that gives us a sense of security and confidence in the future. This is our job. This is our livelihood. Wait, you just want me to go with you? Yeah, okay, cool. I like your style. Let's do that. I appreciate your boldness. I'm just going to leave my life. There's a good chance that these men had actually seen Jesus before doing certain things, hearing a little bit of his message, and already had begun to get curious about who he was and what he was up to. Now remember, these men had also not, not made the cut when it came to being a religious leader of the day. Early on, they were memorizing scripture. They were learning all the things that made uh, a Jewish tradition, all, the, all the, the, the old scripture. They were reading these things. And, and, and then the guys who could memorize it best and understood it best would move on, and they would end up ultimately becoming Pharisees or Sadducees or maybe rabbis. 
right? There's this word rabbi. I have a friend I call my rabbi because when I have a question, I ask him. And even if he doesn't answer it, he says it in such a beautiful way. It's great. And so these men have seen all their friends get called by rabbi. They didn't make the cut, so they went back to what the, their father's business. It's most likely a legacy business. It's probably not something they started on their own. It's probably something that was passed on. It's why you see them leave their father in the boat. Okay. So this is something that was going to be passed on. It was a legacy thing. It was going to provide for them for years to come. And here comes this man, Jesus, who had begun to make some noise. And they see him, and when he says, follow me, that is the voice of a rabbi. A rabbi would say, follow me, take upon my life, walk my life with me, and you will become like me, and what I do, you will do. So this, even this calling of the disciples is a picture of who Jesus is. Because he is calling them, him, them to follow him while he also does only what, what his father gives him. Jesus is already showing you who he is and what, what he requires of us in many ways. So Jesus calls his disciples and, and uh, these men, and they, they aren't called disciples. Mark doesn't call them disciples for another few chapters. In fact, you can go to Mark 6 and they're still just following. But I, w- I want to give you grace in this, and that is this. Um, they had a year before he showed up to say, follow me, to think about it. Many theologians, historians would say that there was a gap year, that there's probably a, roughly a, a span of about 12 months. You see it in the Gospel of John. You don't see it in the Synoptic Gospels. And so you see this thing happening. And I, I just I want you to understand something. As we, as we reach out to the city and as we reach people on our streets and hearts around us, I want you to understand something. It doesn't have to happen the first time. They don't have to kneel down, say a prayer, and, and it's all good. No, it's, sometimes it's the journey and let's, let's be really clear. They still didn't know who Jesus was when they dropped the nets. They still had to find out who he was by walking with him. We get this weird thing where raise your hand, say a prayer, and it's, oh, you're good. I know I'm messing with a little bit of your theology. I understand that. You, if you came here to just be pat on the back, you may have picked the wrong place. I don't know. But you'll be encouraged. But this idea that we would walk with Jesus that, because we don't know him fully yet, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter how many times you've read your Bible, God is still more. Jesus is still more. That's why the disciples, even after three years, was like, wait, you're leaving? Wait, I don't understand. That's not how this is supposed to work. And Jesus goes, you still don't get it. The life I've called you to is not a one of of knowing everywhere this is going to go. It's just knowing that I'm going to be with you wherever it goes. And that everywhere you go is an opportunity to help people see Jesus. Whether you be checking out, getting your groceries, or whether you're working in a job you don't like, or you're living on the street you never wanted to be on in the first place, everywhere is an opportunity for people to see Jesus. So Jesus calls these men. And uh, he says, I want you to follow me. And I know some of you guys are like, well, I've heard this story before. Yeah, well, they, we preach it every year during the season of Epiphany. Why? Because there's a chance in the last 12 months you've forgotten that's what this looks like. There's a chance that you and I have over difficult seasons and challenging times forgotten that we're not following the news, that we're not following your latest, greatest Twitter find, that we're not following the influencers on Instagram. I apologize for those of you who are trying to get there. I'll follow you for some things. I promise. We're not following the latest trend. We're not following how the neighborhood feels. We're not following how the street feels. (laughs) We are following Jesus. 
Like, Jesus could have come along when the nets were done being cleaned. He could have come along when they were done and they were at, at the, oh, I was going to say bar. Well, I said bar. The, the bar down the street. And you could have, they could have come along at any point other than the time they were busy doing what they were called to do. They were made for this. Oh, this is what we do. This is what our family does. This is, I'm cleaning the nets. I'm, this is who I am because I am. So when Jesus says, follow me, he's not just saying, hey, we're going to take a walk. He's saying to them, what has defined you and what has made you and what has been the narrative of your life, I'm giving you an opportunity to walk into a different one. Now, some of us go, okay, so what you're saying is I've got to give away everything that I want and God's never going to bring it back to my No, I'm not necessarily saying that. And in fact, there were a lot of people he passed that he didn't say the same thing to. So don't get weird about this. Some of you are called to be up here opening a Bible and preaching to people. And some of you are called to be on a computer every Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, working next to someone who needs to hear Jesus. And it's okay, whichever way it looks, as long as you're looking at Jesus. Because the longer you look at Jesus, the more you look like him. Don't try to do it the other way. Don't try to look like him so that you can look upon him. No, that's not how it works. Moses came off the mountain because he had looked at Jesus looking like Jesus, he was glowing. He didn't even know. So you and I, when we get into this place, okay, what do I do with these nets, right? Like, what do I do with the things that I've held on to? What do I do with the things that, I, that have defined me in so many ways, the things that, that have made me who I am? What do I do with that? Because Jesus is calling me out of that. And maybe along this season that we've had as a, as a country, maybe there's some things that you've grabbed hold of. Maybe there's some things that you're, you're not ready to let go, some things that you've dug your heels in on. And I believe in faith, and maybe some of these things are faith-filled things, and that's, I understand that. But maybe there's, some, maybe there's some frustrations, or maybe there's just some narratives, some stories that you've begun to tell yourself about yourself uh, that have begun to define the things you do. And you're wondering why you keep doing them, and the reality is it's because you keep holding on to the definition you had before or the definition you've now created. We talked about this last week. The stories you tell yourself about yourself, that is your identity. And out of the definitions that you've given yourself come the decisions you make about your life. And so when you and I have this moment with Jesus, see, Jesus shows up, and this is, this is the whole goal. This is all we want to do here is to help People see Jesus. That's it. That's it. I got nothing else. I, can't, I, I just want you to see Jesus in ways you haven't seen him before. And Jesus shows up after John gets arrested, really begins to start his ministry, sees these men, realizes that maybe he saw them in the crowd at a, an event he did or saw them in the crowd as he was passing down the street and saw them wherever, and, and he sees them. And, and as Mark says immediately, we don't see that in the other Gospels, so maybe Mark's being a little bit he's pushy, but he says immediately, Jesus calls them and says, follow me, and they drop their nets and they follow Jesus. But where? Jesus doesn't say where. He just says why. It's the same reason God created Adam and didn't really define the place, just gave him purpose. He said, here's all the potential in the world. Because remember, Eden wasn't perfect, and that's what we always keep striving for, and that's not really what God did. God didn't. He made it perfect for the potential it had. But it wasn't already finished. Why in the world would Adam have to name the animals and curate the field if, if it was all done. I mean, I wish my yard was just done. But it's not. i got to work it 
And what is, what's the charge he gives to Adam? That you would rule and reign. But remember, ruling and reigning in the kingdom of God is serving and loving, curating, developing. So, so what, what he's really calling to do, don't ever let someone take you this verse out of context. I'm not here to, the church isn't here to go, we're the boss, just do what we say. No, the church is here to go, I'll serve you and I'll love you and do my best to curate what God had intended. So when Jesus shows up with these guys, he doesn't say we're going here and we're going there and then we'll go there. In fact, there's multiple times where Jesus withdraws, prays in the midst of a busy moment. He's having great ministry time and he leaves and then comes back and goes, okay, we're heading on to this place. And they go, yeah, but there's still more people. He goes, yeah, but I talked to the Father, we're going. Yeah, yeah, but, okay, yeah, follow. Well, that's right, okay. You're right, okay, we're gonna follow. Here we go. Because it's in the following that we are formed. So many of us are trying to map out the thing. We're going to map out the, the places to go and A, B, C. We're on this road trip with Jesus, but we're going to, hey, God, could we stop here? Hey, we're going to do this. And Jesus is simply going, just stay in the car. Just go where I go. Just follow me. Just follow me. He's, here's why he's doing that, because he wants to know you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to meet you. He wants you to meet him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And if he told you where you were going ahead of time, you might just run there before him. You might actually just disconnect yourself from the one who told you to follow him so that you could get where you want to go before he's ready to get you there. And so many of us in the church, when we get saved, we jump over the steps so we can get to the calling. We forget that we're formed in community. And Jesus is saying, follow me in relationship with people. Learn what patience is. Learn what character is. Learn what faithfulness is. Learn what hope is in the midst of challenges. Learn what forgiveness is often. Learn what 1 Corinthians 13 actually means when it says keep no record of wrong. Right? Right? Don't, mean, don't ask me to read that at your wedding and then... Keep no record of, don't boast. Don't get proud because you did it right. No, love, love is always ready to serve some more. Love is always ready to give more grace. Love is always ready to love the people you don't. Love is unconditional. So Jesus calls these disciples, and he makes this decision to walk by them, and immediately, as Mark says, says, follow me. And he knew what he was doing in that moment. He was saying to them, I want you to walk into a new story with a different narrative and get a new definition about what life is. Because as you get that, you will begin to become fishers of men and bring them into a new reality as well. So the whole hope that Jesus had with these men is that they would walk into a new story, walk into a new narrative, something that was different, something they hadn't seen before. Because remember, this is good news. A new king has showed up. And you don't have to live according to an old pattern or an old way. This is a new king. And no, Augustus isn't all he's cracked up to be just because they wrote it on paper and sealed it with some wax. No, he is not who you think. In fact, the greatness of Jesus is that he didn't need all that. He showed up and showed us who he was in the way he lived his life. He walked by the guys who didn't cut it, who didn't make the, make the cut, who didn't, didn't check off all the boxes. He walked by them and said, and didn't hesitate, as Mark shows us, but immediately said, come follow me. And they immediately dropped the nets and followed Jesus. So what are we here for today? What's the purpose? And, and listen, I don't know how to make this not sound churchy. We're here today to remember that following Jesus 
might first and foremost be about dropping some nets and letting go of some definitions, letting go of some narratives, letting go of some storylines that are not what God intended for you. This is not a, listen, hear me. Today is not about you should change careers. Some of you might be in that season, not okay. So you're like reading it that way. You go, yeah, okay, you're right. I should take that job. I'm not, no money back guarantee on that one, okay? This isn't necessarily about some of those things. What this is really truly about is, is in what I'm doing, in that place, in that space, am I following Jesus? Through the fit mist, through the fog, am I following him? Do I have my eyes on Jesus? Am I, like Talisha said, pre-service in our team huddle, are we looking for him wherever we go? Are we looking for him wherever we go and wherever we find ourselves in the places we go and the people we meet? Are we looking for Jesus? And are we finding him in all of the places we go? Because Jesus would go there. The beautiful thing about Jesus is he never really tells us where he's going. He just goes there. And sometimes it's a hill to preach a sermon. Sometimes it's a table to sit with, yes, the Pharisees. Sometimes it's a table to sit with the tax collectors. Sometimes it's just any old street where people are hurting and broken, and he brings them health and life. Wherever he goes. I had a friend who's a pastor just down the road. Love him. Uh, trademark Church, Landon Pickering. We just went and played top golf this week. And uh, we'll have to talk about it. Um, uh, they gave $5,000 to raising money for this building, for this space. We're still in the midst of that. Next week, I'll give you an update on what we've raised so far. You guys have been incredibly generous. We have more to go. Um, but, you know, he was uh, driving down the street. I think it was South Main at the time. I don't remember what street he was on. I think it was South Main. Anyways, he's driving down the street, and he sees this young guy, homeless, clearly homeless young guy, just sitting on the street. And, uh, and, and you know, I don't know, maybe you've had this moment. Um, and he... he uh, he goes past him, and you ever, like, oh, God wants me to go there, but it says no U-turn. Come on, we're real Christians here. Okay. Yeah, no U-turn. I can't break the law. Isn't it funny how sometimes what Jesus asks you to do sounds wrong? So Jesus uh, just kind of keeps, the Holy Spirit just keeps going, hey, you should turn around. I think he takes the turn, and he's like, doesn't have a U-turn sign here. Turns around, goes, picks up the guy. And over the process of weeks, uh, this young guy gets a shower for first time in a while, begins to eat meals, but ends up hanging out at the church for a bit. Uh, begins to really remind himself about who Jesus is. Begins to discover a little bit more about who Jesus is. And uh, and now he's helping out, he's volunteering. I think he had, to, at some point, he was going to have to move. But Landon, I'll tell you this right now. Landon told me, he said, I... I've never been more amazed at what God can do than in doing that. I've been in church services. I've been at all the stuff. I've done all the things. But that, that showed me who Jesus was in a way I've never experienced. This young guy didn't, and I've told this story before here, but uh, at the very first church service he attended, uh, he didn't know the rules. So worship is going, so he grabs his phone. And he's like walking all over the building, just walking up to the front, middle, taking pictures, moving past people, taking pictures, just doing whatever. He, 
And Landry's just going, I don't care. Because he's here and he's seeing Jesus. Listen, following Jesus is not some perfect roadmap. And I know that we love to call this the roadmap for our lives. And that's fine. Sometimes. You know what this really is? Who's Jesus? And who am I in light of that? That's what this is. So when Jesus says, come and follow me, that's what I do. When Jesus says, step away from what you know into something you don't, that's what Jesus is. When Jesus says, follow me and I will make you. Quit trying to make yourself. That's who Jesus is. It's a good reminder, January 2021, to keep your eyes on Jesus. And in so doing, he will make you who you are meant to become. But if you're trying to figure it out before you take the step, he might just keep on walking. And that sounded, I, he wants you to just walk with him and discover who he is and realize he'll go down the back streets and the side alleys just as much as he'll go down the main streets. He wants to love people, and he wants you to figure out and learn what that looks like along the way. I said he'd keep walking, but he'd come back around. Just a reminder. He'd come back around. He's going to keep giving you opportunities to reset your sight, to look upon Jesus, and to follow him. Lord, I thank you so much for today. God, I pray there, there are some storylines, some narratives. There's some bad experiences. There's some offense. There's some hurt. There's all kinds of things that we're holding on to. And then there's just some everyday, regular definitions. We are this, so we do this. We are that, so we do that. And, well, I'm a business guy, so i got to go to those meetings and talk about things like this and say things that I actually don't personally believe, but I feel like I have to because, well, I'm this, and so i got to do that. And I'm, God, you're coming into our world to remind us that this isn't a kingdom. This is the kingdom, and it's new, and it's different. And even while Augustus is hanging out on the throne, you're showing up saying, I've got a new gospel. In me is the summation of all creation. In me is the one who all things are made through. In me is life and hope and faith. I am not calling you to a set of ideals. I am not calling you to some behavioral modification program. I am not calling you even to the Bible. I'm calling you to myself so that when you read that Bible, you see me. I'm calling you to this place, empowered by the Holy Spirit, so that you can walk in the things I've called you to. And it might take some time. And it might be a little different than you expected. And you might have to let go of some things that you thought you would never let go of. But I am a faithful God. I am not here to harm you or hurt you. I am not here to condemn you or make you feel worse. I am here to bring life and hope. I am here to give you a new story. And while it may look risky, and while it may seem uncertain, and while it might have a little bit of mist and fog in the road ahead, I promise you, if you will stay with me, I will lead you into the life I, was cre I had created you for. So Lord, I pray in this place right now, in this place right now, those of us, maybe we've done this before, we just need to do it again. We need to put our eyes back on Jesus. That's what it really truly means to repent, to bring our eyes back to Jesus, to come back home, to get into alignment with you. For some of us, for the first time, we're hearing about Jesus in a way we had not expected. Whether it be here in this room or online today, there's 
There's people who are going, I didn't know that's what it was. Yeah, it might be uncertain. Might, I might not know exactly where this is going to go, but I can go with Jesus. Today, you just make that decision. God, I trust you. I believe in you. I confess with my mouth that you will save me from all the wrong definitions. You will save me from all the wrong means to become who I am. You will save me from the pain and the heartache of holding on to bitterness. You will save me from the wrong narratives. You will save me from the kingdom of darkness and bring me into the kingdom of light so that I can live. But I thank you that you are so gracious that you would walk by me, who isn't qualified, doesn't check off all the boxes, and call me with no hesitation into a new life, to a new hope, to a new way of living. In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand this morning as we worship?